President Trump's tariff plan roils the markets and the Republican Party. The NRA suggests that Trump's gun reform pledge was all talk. And yet another White House staffer or two could be headed for the excess. This is the state of America tonight. Without steel and aluminum, your country's not the same. This morning, the president declared a trade war can be good. Investors do not like it. I know what unfair steel practices have done in this country. My domestic auto manufacturers are worried about unintended consequences. After talking tough on guns in that televised meeting with lawmakers, the president met last night with an NRA executive. I don't think the NRA is going to get what they want in this case. CNN has learned the FBI is taking a closer look at one of Ivanka Trump's foreign business deals. Trump does not like when people attract negative headlines that could be a problem for him. And now he has a member of his extended family getting that in droves. Hello, I'm Joe Johns, live in New York, in for Kate Baldwin. This is the State of America tonight. A wild ride in the White House this week, filled with infighting, staff turnover, the Russia probe, and more. And today is no different, as fears of a trade war could soon become reality. Stocks are tumbling. The EU is preparing a retaliatory action after President Trump's tariff announcement. The White House is defending the move. Politicians have come and gone for the last 20 years, giving away our wealth to foreign countries for bad trade deals. So the people who are coming out of the woodwork now to criticize the president are the same ones who criticized him during the election. He's just fulfilling the campaign promise of the people in Ohio and Michigan and North Carolina, the people who make things with their hands. In the can of Campbell's soup, there's about 2.6 cents, 2.6 pennies worth of steel. So if that goes up by 25%, that's about six-tenths of one cent on the price of a can of Campbell's soup. So who in the world is going to be too bothered by six-tenths of a cent? Now, for his part, the president is doubling down on Twitter, of course, saying that when a country is losing many billions of dollars on trade with virtually every country it does business with, trade wars are good, the president says, and easy to win. But several Republicans in Congress think differently. One of them, Senator Ben Sass of Nebraska. This is leftist economic policy, and we've tried it a whole bunch of times over the last two centuries, and every time American families have suffered. It's bad policy. And right now, the president is wheels up to Florida, where he will headline a Republican fundraiser at his Mar-a-Lago estate. We're thinking he's probably glad to leave Washington behind, where another controversy is brewing over his shifting stance on guns. Last night, Mr. Trump and Vice President Mike Pence huddled with top NRA officials, one of whom tweeted this after their talk, quote, POTUS and VPOTUS support the Second Amendment, support strong due process, and don't don't want gun control. That seems to be at odds with what Mr. Trump said just two days ago to a bipartisan group at the White House. Remember this? I'm going to write the bump stock, essentially write it out. It doesn't make sense that I have to wait till I'm 21 to get a handgun, but I can get this weapon at 18. I don't know. I like taking the guns early. Take the guns first, go through due process second. One Democrat says the apparent switch is typical Trump. 
I personally have experienced what we call the mm. Tuesday Trump, where he says certain things and then we get the Thursday Trump. I guess mm. the NRA is yelling in his ear after they saw what he said on what we call the metaphoric Tuesday Trump. But one Republican congressman who attended that meeting and wants a ban on assault weapons says the president needs to keep his word. You can't back, walk back saying, hey, bump stocks, they're as good as gone. You can't walk back saying, hey, if you get me a bill that addresses the buying age for anybody purchasing a firearm or what's going to go on with background checks and he'll sign it into law, I don't think you can walk that back. And the president's tough talk on trade is causing friction inside the White House walls. Multiple reports say Gary Cohn, the president's point man on the economy, could be on his way out after he lost a bid to block the president on his tariff plan. CNN White House reporter Caitlin Collins is live in Washington. A lot going on right there. Now, you know something about Gary Cohn? It's been said before that he was thinking about leaving. Is this time any different? Well, it has been said before, but that was over the president's comments on Charlottesville. This is over a serious disagreement the president that and Gary Cohn are having on their economic policy. Gary Cohn did not want the president to impose these tariffs, to be very clear. And the president here is siding with his Commerce Secretary, Wilbur Ross, and the trade guru in the West Wing, who is Peter Navarro. So certainly something Gary Cohn is not pleased with here, Joe. But the president seems to be doubling down on his announcement yesterday, tweeting this morning that he believes trade wars are a good thing and something that are easy to win. So certainly a uh, surprising statement from the president, one you don't often hear. But the president doesn't seem to mind the backlash he's getting from where he stunned his own advisors, GOP lawmakers on Capitol Hill and rattled the stock market. The president seems to be doubling down and with his tweets this morning, Joe, saying that this is just the beginning. Caitlin, there was also uh, an... Oh, okay. Uh, Caitlin, there was also some talk that the White House chief of staff has, in fact, uh, revisited the issue of Rob Porter and uh, how and why he ended up leaving the White House. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, John Kelly, in a surprising move today, chose to resurface the scandal from that fallout of Rob Porter's resignation. That was the staff secretary who was accused of domestic abuse by two of his ex-wives. And the chief of staff, John Kelly, held this lengthy meeting with reporters today, and he tried to defend his handling of the situation because, as you know, Joe, John Kelly got a lot of the blowback over that situation because... Uh, as CNN had reported, John Kelly was actually aware that there was something going on with Rob Porter's ex-wives and something about domestic abuse back last fall, yet he allowed him to continue to work in the West Wing and even considered promoting him. But today, John Kelly was trying to seek to really uh, clarify the timeline of what he found out and when, even though there were several inaccuracies in his statement here, Joe. But it makes you wonder why he's bringing this up again, especially because it certainly made him look the worst. For sure. There are a lot of questions about whether he was going to leave, and he said there's nothing for him to offer his resignation about. Thanks so much for that, Caitlin Collins of the White House. And in a week filled with palace intrigue and staff shuffles, guess what? There's even more. Sources tell CNN that National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster could leave his position by the end of the month. That news coming as CNN exclusively learns that the FBI is probing a business deal spearheaded by the one White House advisor who is closer to the president than anyone else, the president's daughter, Ivanka. CNN crime and justice reporter Shimon Prokopez joins me now. What's going on, Shimon? 
Yeah, so this was a uh, hotel deal that Ivanka led. Uh, it opened in uh, February of 2017, uh, and as part of her background check and her security clearance, the FBI has been reviewing some of her contacts or meetings with foreign nationals, and for some reason, we don't particularly know why, something had triggered the FBI's concern over some meetings and contacts she has had uh, relating to this property, relating to some of the business discussions, the financial uh, discussions. And they've been reviewing some of that for over a year now, we're told. Uh, What all this means, we really don't know in terms of for Ivanka Trump. Uh, We're told that she is not the target of the investigation. There's nothing to indicate that she's in any kind of trouble. But as you know, the FBI and U.S. counterintelligence officials have been very concerned over the contacts that both her husband and she have had uh, leading up to the presidency the last several years, even, uh, and people, other people within the Trump orbit. And so they've gone back. The FBI has gone back and has been reviewing some of this. Uh, there's a lot of concern that the overseas folks, that some of these business financial uh, dealings, some people may have been trying to use that to have leverage over Jared Kushner, over Ivanka Trump, over other people uh, who were close to the president. And so all of this uh, is part of that investigation. Fascinating. Not the target, but certainly worth looking into. Thanks so much for that, Shimon Prokopez. Still ahead, President Trump doubles down on tariffs in the face of fierce backlash. How he's alarming both friends and foes alike by declaring the trade wars are good. President Trump is rankling markets, allies, and members of his own party by proposing tariffs that look to be the first volley of a trade war. But despite the backlash, he says that's a good thing. Panel tonight, Steve Lonigan, a Republican running for Congress in New Jersey who worked for Ted Cruz's 2016 presidential campaign. Patrick Healy, CNN political analyst and editor for The New York Times. Christine Quinn, a Democrat and former New York City Council speaker and Cabot Phillips, a former campaign official for Republican Marco Rubio's presidential bid and the media director for CampusReform.org. So, Steve, I, I kind of want to throw this to you first. Okay. Uh, there are reports that the EU is, among other things, considering higher ta- tra- uh, tariffs Excuse me, on Harley-Davidson motorcycles, on bourbon, uh, on other things American. And I suppose the question is, who, besides the steel industry, would think a trade war is a good idea? Look, for 40 years, there's been a war against American workers by China, who's been subsidizing steel. You know, steel manufacturing in China is not subject to the environmental protection requirements that we're in this country, to OSHA requirements, to wage and price standards that we have in this country. And on top of that, the Chinese subsidize their steel and then dump it into our country. That's a war on American workers. And I think it's about time we let the world know we're going to defend American manufacturing um, against these kinds of assaults. And don't be surprised, by the way. If within the next couple of weeks we hear about a sudden call by China, well, maybe we should have a meeting. Maybe we can work mm-hmm. this out. This might be one of the best negotiating right. tactics Trump's used yet. Cabot Phillips, you buy that? I don't. Uh, this may play well in Donald Trump's America First narrative, and it may please some of his base, but it's not putting American consumers first. I think you can just look to recent history. Back in January, when the administration announced tariffs on refrigerators, look what LG did. They didn't eat the cost of that tariff. They said, no, we're going to raise prices. The average LG refrigerator is up about $50 right now. 
tariffs are antithetical to free markets. They are a tax on consumers. And I think a lot of conservatives and Democrats can agree that government should not be choosing winners and losers, which industries are benefiting. And it's wrong for the president to do this. And I think it's going to play out poorly in the long run. But no. Cabot, when you allow China to dump cheap steel into our country, aren't you picking winners and losers? And by the way, consumers to pick where they want to buy from. Consumers yeah. should be able to decide if they want to pick steel that's made here for a little bit more or pick it from abroad. And, well, and despite well, LG. Regardless of your position, I think one thing that is really clear here is that this announcement from the president, which is, whatever side you're on, incredibly significant. And when we're talking about China in this context, it's important to remember that any announcement affects other realities in the world. Is this a time, given the instability on the Korean peninsula, that we want to be angering China, instead having them as a growing ally to help us? This announcement was done from all you can hear from inside White House sources, recklessly, quickly, most staff didn't know he was going to announce the two things in, in his announcement. So, and you saw no investor heads up. We uh, saw no, Wall no. Street tumble. The, so regardless, it's President yeah. Trump shooting from the hip again. This has been a long time coming. He's not shooting right. from the hip. I mean, China's been shooting from the hip. To go back to the original question, I mean, in terms of Harley Davidson's, mm -hmm. President Trump has not shown a real ability to think about ripple effects, to think five steps ahead of time. I don't know that in terms of a policy achievement that this administration has had, and there have not been many, it's not like he sets, it's not like he's a chess player who is sitting there sort of saying, okay, if I have these tariffs here, this is going to have a ripple effect. In terms of China, he's basically been jawboning now for, you know, a good year against China on trade, on North Korea. It hasn't led to any kind of results. So this is a, you know, as we know, this is a president who has been very effective on Twitter in terms of rallying the base and keeping the base focused on unfairness with trade wars. But it hasn't actually led to better policy. Well, let me tell you what I do see. is see an economy that's growing. Jobs are on the upswing. American manufacturing is on the upswing. And tell you what, for 40 years, we've sat back and let China destroy American steel manufacturing industry. And it's about time we turn that okay. around. So no, what? Let know, the chips fall where they Let me turn the corner no, here a little bit. The chips are, are, are very significant to the overall economy, to the workers who get paid to build okay. the buildings and whatnot with steel, and on the Korean Peninsula. We need to think in a broader, connected way about our international policy. All right. Twice the president, uh, really this week, surprised Republicans yes. in many ways. Uh, it was not just uh, on steel, not just on tariffs, but also on guns. And I think we have to go back to the question Steve asked, whether this is smart negotiating posture, where he uh, throws something uh, big out there for everybody to jump or not jump and, uh, uh, and then make a counteroffer. Do you buy the idea that the president is simply throwing negotiating positions out there? Uh, to try to no. get to the center. No. One, that would assume he knew what he was going to say before he said it, which I don't believe. He was in a room of people, and every room he's in, he wants the people to love him. So he said what they wanted to hear, and then he said what the NRA wanted to hear. And you know the worst part of this? It's deja vu all over again from That's DACA. It's an opportunity. DACA was, and this one. He said what the young people needed and wanted to hear to protect their lives. And then he'll pull the rug out from under these young people from Parkland the way he's done to dock it. It's almost as if he revels in torturing relevant. children. That's, that's totally irrelevant. What the no, the president not. said something very important, which I disagree with 100% when he said we should take the guns and worry about due process later. That was a mistake. He needs to reserve, reserve, reverse his position on that. I personally testified in Trenton yesterday against just such a bill. 
You know, but, you don't suspend talking, the Bill of he Rights. Talking, he was talking specifically about mentally ill people yes. and it, it, going out. Who, who decides who's the context, mentally ill on the but I think, But I think Chris does have a point in terms of, with regard to uh, President Trump is kind of a people pleaser in those situations. I mean, it brings back Plan memories of... Room. It yes. brings, brings, brings back Chuck and Nancy, and Chuck Schumer and Nancy. Well, but, Let's but get to, to the what? issues instead of who's a people it just, pleaser. It just feels, mm -hmm. Steve, that every time but President Trump says something unpredictable or unusual or something that's pleasing people in the room... Uh, some Republicans say, well, this brilliant negotiating tactics. But he's offering it's, up solutions to issues where you've never seen solutions before. Well, the do, do we have any it's, idea? It's a compelling solution. Do, it just do, doesn't look. Does anybody here have any idea where the president stands on guns well, that, right now? And does his own press secretary. Sarah Sanders, if you noticed her comments this morning, was that I am aware of. Look, bump stocks, stocks were made legal under the Obama administration. Let me remind you of that. So we have bigger issues here. We're still not attacking the issue of what's well, making schools. What you mean is the ATF uh, decided the that they could not enforce the law Correct. against bump stocks. That's what you're saying. They didn't change a position. The law was not, was not written in a way that made it enforceable. That's very different. We're still not approaching the issue of how right. we're going to solve the problem with school shootings. All right. And, and All neither right. is the president. Is it we're going to come back up in politics. But he's done, he's done more to propose solutions. Than All right, here we go. Make politics. Coming up, Donald Trump has promised all the best people for his administration, but after a tumultuous week at the White House, will another senior advisor be heading for the exits? panel comes back next What would your cabinet look like in terms of personnel and cabinet positions? Well, they'd be professional people. I mean, they'd be good people. We have a lot of people in different positions that have no right to be there. I mean, they know nothing. I put people in that have great ability. We'd put, we're going to put, in terms of our trading areas, as an example, we're going to put, you know, great business people there, great people. They don't want to get paid. We're going to put wealthy people there. They became wealthy for a reason, right? You know, we're going to put the best negotiators there. But the cabinet, we're going to have all the best people. We're going to find out who they are. And it's not going to be a politically correct choice either. We're going to have people that are going to be proper. That was then-candidate Donald Trump making promises on the campaign trail back in 2016. Since the inauguration, several top staffers have resigned in disgrace. Others remain swamped in scandal. Mr. Trump's inner circle is shrinking with his daughter, Ivanka, under investigation. Son-in-law Jared Kushner's security clearance downgraded. Now the National Security Advisor, H.R. McMaster, could be eyeing the exit next. The panel's here to weigh in. And uh, we do have a poll that just uh, came out today. And I just want to show you the graphic of it. Uh, when asked... If people thought the president's done a good job in choosing advisors, 61% said no, compared with 35% who said yes. But when you look at the swirl at the White House, part of the question, I think, is whether not only he's bringing in good people, but if he's able to keep good people and perhaps what that says about about the Trump presidency. Any thoughts? Well, regardless of your opinion of how the president is doing, it's hard to deny that he is incredibly unpredictable, and that's very tough <laughs> to keep staffers around. Also, we can also agree that there's more media scrutiny on his presidency than maybe any other, so it can be incredibly tough to continually vouch for some of the measures that are being done. But ultimately, I don't know how big of a problem the instability with the inner circle really is to most Americans. I think a lot of Americans who don't pay attention intimately to everything that's going on in D.C., they just see things that are happening in their daily lives. They see things like tax reform, and they see other deregulatory passages going on. And I think that 
the average American isn't really paying attention too much to this, so I don't think it's going to have a huge impact with the midterms coming up. Well, well also, there's another part, well. and that is America is not used to having a CEO, and the press is not used to having a CEO of a real business in the White House demanding real results from their employees. It happens in the public sector and in the private sector. You know, well, in the public say, sector, great, in the public sector, you have a bunch of political bureaucrats who keep the, keep the same hacks hanging around no matter how productive well, they but, are. But what great By the way, his, his, was, his most... What, what his great, most his most important consultant, <laughs> Kellyanne Conway, is sitting there every single day anyway. Well, what, what, what great CEO was successful by undercutting over and over yeah. again his own aides from Reince Priebus to Sean Spicer uh, to, you know, it's, I mean, you know, even sort of family members who he gets into, you know, sort of scrapes with. Right. I mean, well, the it, attorney general. Well, the yeah. attorney general, I mean, sort of figures, look, most people want to go into government because of some kind of either calling or belief the, or you know, support for public I service. I have to jump and on in that. This case, and in this case, you've got a president who's staffing him mostly with people who he's very right. close to and then seems and still to undermine demand, or alienate. still demands we have, results. Yeah. We have to yeah. also point out Maggie Haberman of uh, your newspaper uh, reported that, uh, that there's a possibility the president is working behind the scenes to push Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner out because they get such bad headlines. I mean, that's kind of extraordinary management, isn't it? Right. I mean, Jared, Jared and Ivanka were very stabilizing forces during the campaign when the president, when Donald Trump, the candidate, was going through different campaign managers, staff members. He's always kept, and he's been effective in business by keeping the company has been a close, basically family-held affair. But I think after a year now in Washington, when he looks at you know, Ivanka was a was a strong spokesperson on on paid family leave. But otherwise, the reality is Jared Kushner hasn't even been able to get the kind of security clearance for him to do any right. kind of high level job. So he has no he has. preference. And they've become and, and Steve, as you know, I mean, from politics, when 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 people start becoming ultimately a distraction more than an asset, when the story becomes about them more than about the president, especially with this president, he does not yeah. like it. It's not. Well, effective. look, he also has no preference for his own kids. He wants the best people in there, no matter what. And there's something to be said but, for that as well. But the, the real what do you tough thing, the other question I think is about. Steve. Yeah. I mean, the preference for his own kids seems pretty No, you know, enormous, you're saying right? he has no preference. He's, he's willing to force them out if they don't do the job that he expects them to do. I think, he's, I think he forces people out who start overshadowing him. Yeah. The question, though, is why not come through the front door, even if it is your daughter and your son-in-law, instead of trying to push them out, why not have a, just sit down, have a conversation, say, all, look, you, know, you all got to go. Right. If, you follow, I mean, if you follow the CEO line, right, that Steve has talked about, then a good CEO calls people in and says, you're not doing your job well, change, or you got to go, and then fires them. But How do you know seen, he's not doing that? Because we have seen him for months and months attack the attorney general, general instead of just firing him. On Twitter. On Twitter. We've seen reports that he's furious at Ben Carson, who should be mm-hmm. should never have been put in the position, but should certainly been fired now. Tillerson. Didn't do that. The list mm-hmm. goes on. Uh, Tillerson, yeah. the list goes on and on. And now, McGaster, it's as if mm-hmm. he only can play the role of someone who fires you. Last question to you. How do you attract new people in an environment like that? I think you make it clear that they're going to have some freedom or you make it clear you're willing to listen to the advice of other people. But I think part of this is also strategy on the president's part of wanting to test people's loyalty. We know how much he values loyalty. And we've seen this repeatedly of sort of 
you know, leaving people out to dry is what some people call it, and then keeping them around to see how loyal they truly are to him. We saw that with Sessions, with Tillerson and others. I don't think we should assume that anyone, you know, people are saying McMaster's out the door. We saw that same story with Tillerson a few months ago, and he's still there. So I think we should wait until we actually get results before we assume. One thing I can tell you, it it looks like a tough place to work. That's all i got to say. And and I've been there watching this. All right. Thanks to our panel, Steve, Patrick, Christine, and Cabot. This is day 407 of President Trump's administration. That's the State of America tonight. Check out our podcast, subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite app. We'll see you back here next week. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.